Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Enrollment will be closing on Tuesday, May 31st, 2016. Don't miss it. Entree Architect Academy provides you with the tools, the information, and an exclusive community to transform your struggling studio into a thriving, profitable architecture firm. To enroll, visit entrearchitect.com slash academy. Entree Architect Podcast, episode 125. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlepage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Have you ever had an idea to improve your process to make it more efficient or more effective in, in some big way? Maybe you're inspired to start a business, a new business that, that might help take your architecture firm to the next level. And in doing so, it might change the profession for all of us forever. Well, this week's guest is striving to do just that. This week on Entree Architect Podcast, I invite Jared Perry, the founder of Paven.com, a new online platform for architects and engineers discuss how he used technology to leverage a powerful idea for predictable revenue. This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com slash architect. Jared Perry, welcome to Entree Architect podcast. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. This is going to be an interesting conversation. You and I spoke a little bit offline. Uh, I learned a little bit about what you were doing, and I was so excited about it. I wanted to get it on the uh, podcast here and, and share it with my audience. You are a professional engineer based in Westlake, Ohio. You are a co-founder and principal at Sixmo Incorporated, which is an architecture and engineering firm. And you're the founder of a new online platform designed to support growth and competition in the AE industry called Paven at paven.com. So um, that's a really interesting story, and I'd like to hear about that. But before we get into Paven and Sixmo, I want to hear more about you. I want to hear about your origin story and where you came from, uh, what inspired you to become an engineer and find your way to where you are today. 
Yeah, so um, I grew up in southeast Ohio in a little town called Marietta. Um, my, my dad actually was a bridge inspector for the Ohio Department of Transportation. And I can remember being probably, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old. And there was a, a bridge being built that connected um, the west side of Marietta to the east side. And basically, I, you know, I was walking across the old bridge and I could see, you know, my dad on that bridge inspecting rebar and, and things like that. And that's where I thought the idea was cool. Um, it, it wasn't really till probably my junior or senior year in high school um, until my dad said, you can make a living uh, with your brain or your back. And uh, that really kind of set the tone for me that I wanted to do it with my brain. And, um, you know, I've always been interested in building things and how they go together, um, very type A. And uh, that, that really set my path going forward to be an engineer. I'm not very creative. Um, if it were me, everything would be squares and rectangles. But uh, um, that really that really set my – I like, I like uh, working with – with the other creative minds, things that I couldn't think of, and then finding ways to to make them not fall down. Essentially, that's that's the structural engineer's motto. Yeah, it it takes a team without a doubt. You you would love what's happening here in New York right now. I I live in Westchester County, New York, about forty minutes north of New York City, and they're building the new New York Bridge that that spans the Hudson River. Oh wow! Uh, the current Tappan Zee Bridge is uh, is way beyond its lifespan. And they're building a beautiful, I don't, it's not super beautiful, but it's a really interesting project. Uh, it's about four times bigger than the existing bridge. Uh, and we're watching it. We cross the river, you know, at least three or four times a week to visit family. And we're watching this thing be built right in front of us. It is an amazing well, sight to see. And I'm looking forward to uh, trying to find somebody who will, will uh, take me on the tour yeah, and, there you go. And, and get up close. So. Um, it's, uh, I could definitely see how you could be inspired by, uh, by bridges and your dad being inspecting those and, and, uh, being in that world. So, so where did you go to school and sort of what, what led you to starting your own firm? So I went to school at Ohio university, uh, in Athens, Ohio, which is, you know, it's a, a county that's adjacent to where I grew up in, in Washington County, Ohio. And I started out in the civil engineering program, um, originally thinking I was going to do transportation. Uh, that was kind of where I, I did uh, some internships at, uh, at ODOT and, and thought, you know, I wanted to be a transportation engineer. But, you know, as, as you matriculate through your, your undergrad and you get towards the last two years, you're kind of, you have to make a decision of what you want to specialize in. And it was between that and structural. And, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because I had better grades in uh, structural than I did transportation or, or what. I just found it um, more interesting. Um, buildings became more of a, a passion for me rather than, than bridges and, and seeing things go up. And, you know, when you're driving around, it's, construction is something that's, you know, unanimous. Wherever you go, you're going to see things go up. And um, no matter if you're in the architecture or engineering industry, you look at it you're in awe of it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to necessarily, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hang my hat on and say, Oh, look at what I've done. But I, I did want to be a, a part of it. Yeah. I love that idea of architects and structural engineers and their world goes up <laughs> and civil <laughs> exactly. engineers go out. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I never thought of it that way. Um, so, so, uh, what did you do once you left, uh, Ohio or, um, or so the university? Yeah, my my first job out of school was actually in in Cleveland, Ohio. My then girlfriend, now wife, was in dental school at uh, Case Western. So I moved um, to be closer to her and worked for a, a midsize, um, big E, little A firm uh, in Cleveland that uh, basically did heavy industrial um, building, steel mills, power plants, um, that sort of thing. And then my career for the next five, six years was nonstop industrial. Um, you know, the job that we had right out of, of college was a, a huge titanium mill in, in Martinsville, Virginia, that, you know, was still having the final touches on it, you know, when I left um, to start my own business. And, um, you know, 
I would say that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have had that job because I learned a lot. The mentors there were, were amazing. Um, but also at the time, you know, that was in 2006, 2007, 2008, leading right into um, a big recession and, you know, was gainfully employed there. Uh, you know, the titanium industry did not fall um, because they had a, uh, a big contract, you know, and they had to get this facility online. So that was a big, um, that was a big boon for me as a, you know, an intern structural engineer right out of college. How long does it take to design and build a titanium Mill. You know, and that that project was a design build. Um, gosh, it was under design when I came in. We just did the preliminary foundation packages in December. I started in May or June, and we were designing as they were building for for two years. You know, and we were working. You know, packages were going out. Uh, the structural portion, you know, after a certain, uh, it's all the after a certain time period, it's everything they've forgotten about. You know, I want to I want to get to this valve. You know, so I got to build a platform over here. Or, you know, or if we've this base plate wasn't fabricated correctly, so we need to come up with a, a, a check. But um, for the most part, I would say two years, two to three years. But the HVAC mechanical, uh, getting equipment uh, from overseas, and you know, coordinating and all those efforts, it would like I said, it was still going on yeah. when I left. Yeah, I can imagine that it's a, a massive project. So, um, so once you left that firm, where, where did you go? So at that firm, I met um, a guy by the name of Pat Thornton. Uh, and he is um, my business partner at Sixmo, co-founder of Sixmo. And he is a, an architect, you know, master plans examiner, certified building official. He's got a, his business card literally has to be longer to put all of his uh, <laughs> titles behind his name. But uh, you know, we worked together for about five years, sat next to each other, became good friends. Our wives became good friends. And, um, you know, we we just said, you know, why not? Why, why, why shouldn't we start this? You know, why shouldn't we do this? And that really just, you know, led to one thing or the other. And, um, you know, here we are. We started in 2013, January 1, incorporated the, the business and um, have I've been fortunate enough and uh, blessed enough to have it grow 400 percent. You know, roughly each year we've been in business, and 2016 is is looking up uh, as well. What type of work do you do at Sixmo? So the architecture department primarily focuses on um, aquatic facilities for either private or public sector. The they also do um, lately. I would say in the last year or two. Um, microbreweries are just popping up everywhere. Uh, I mean, everywhere. Everywhere I go, there's, oh, you got to try this microbrew, you got to try this IPA. The the microbrew industry in Cleveland, we just finished one. We are almost finishing another one. Um, and we've, we've got proposals out for probably like three or four more. Um, so that industry, we're kind of developing a niche market in the, the microbrewery yeah. industry from an architecture standpoint, which is really cool, you know, um, because it's someplace you can go when yeah. you're done. You know, if you build a, a titanium mill, you're not, they're not just going to let you walk around when you're done. So, uh, it's really cool. We have, uh, we actually have happy hours at the, the other one, uh, right down the street from us called sibling revelry brewery, uh, in Westlake. And, you know, we'll have a Friday night happy hour there. They have food trucks. It's, it's pretty nice, but, um, structurally we, we deal a lot in, um, what I call commercial and commercial retail. We have a couple office buildings. Um, we have a, a lot of what I will call light industrial because I've been uh, around heavy industrial to know enough what we're doing is not heavy industrial. Um, we did have um, early on, and I, I write about this on our About Us page on, on Paven, a, a very big project, a titanium mill, um, smaller and different than the one that I started out with uh, in my career, but you know that that was heavy industrial, and that took about you know almost a, a year and a half to to fully come to closure. But but most of our business right now is is in the commercial retail, um, and then you know what I would call shell buildings for the most part. When you say aquatic buildings, what that is that pools? 
Pools, yep. Uh, so water parks uh, for municipalities, for private residences, for hospitality industry, that sort of uh, sort of market is, is where they, they get it. We actually had a um, – which is nice because you get to be the first one down the slide. <laughs> you got to test it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we just had one in our, our neighboring community, Avon, Ohio, and, and, and uh, that was a, a really cool experience. You know, I'm not much – being a, in the commercial – private sector. I, I don't deal a lot in, in the public realm. So going to council meetings and, uh, and that, that was, uh, watching Pat basically do his thing. Um, it was, that was pretty cool. And how many people do you have working at six Uh, we are up to 12, 12. So, right you, now. so you started in 2013 with two. Correct. And grew to 12 in three years. Yeah, and the brunt of our growth um, in the beginning was was in the structural department. You know, one of the things you know, and the other thing I didn't mention, Pat is is going to hate me for saying this, but you know, when we started Sixmo, I was twenty seven, he was thirty nine. So, and he went to Kent State. So you have this kind of guy that's been around. All of his buddies are architects, and you know, at, at the age of thirty nine or forty, you're you're moving your way up the corporate ladder. So, you know, we got into meetings that, you know, maybe an intro intro firm wouldn't have necessarily got themselves into. But, you know, structurally, we got ourselves that meeting because of his connection. So, you know, the the, the bulk of our growth early on was was structural. And probably in the last year, we've doubled the, the size of the architecture department. So multidiscipline jobs. And that's just like any business, you know, the more – Credibility, the more portfolio you have to show people this is what we've done, you know, um, that just helps you grow your own brand. Yeah, I was going to ask you about um, about launching and starting and, and how did you grow so quickly? Um, I, you know, talking with you and, and uh, seeing you here online, you can see that you're a young guy. Mm-hmm. And so to to uh, I started my firm when I was 29 and I was young. And so 27 to start a, to start a firm uh, as a young guy, and so uh, I wanted to hear that story. So that's that's interesting. So the, so the strategy was to sort of team up with somebody who has some more experience, and more connections, uh, and w- use your strengths to to grow quickly. Absolutely, and you know we're he's not a millennial. I am, you know, and I'm big into these uh, these generational type tendencies, and you know he has a Pat's the seller. Uh, he, he, he likes that. I'm, I'm very not into that, you know, and the dynamic of our work environment here, uh, it plays to that, you know, he knows what I'm good at. I know what he's good at. He knows what I'm bad at. I know what he's bad at. And we, we, we piggyback on each other. And, and the, the thing I would, if anybody is, is listening and thinking, oh, should I, you know, have a partner? Should I, you know, a different age range? The answer is yes. I'd highly recommend it, but um, don't be afraid to delegate. Uh, you know the task that you know. Look, I'm not good at this. I want to help, but I'm not good at this. So, you know, if you're going to be the face when you go to this meeting, here's what you need to say. You know, here's what we want to get across. Here's the things they're going to be looking for. Um, because you're absolutely right. I, I do. You know, for the time being, appear young, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm getting more gray hair. Enjoy it so. while you can. <laughs> yeah. My 29 years was was yesterday in my mind. <laughs> but I actually remember going to a meeting. We started uh, the business, and I was dropping off. We were getting a mechanical engineering uh, subconsultant for a job, and I was going to drop the the drawings off on a CD so that he could uh, take a look at them and and work up a quote. And at the end of the you know kind of, I don't know, interaction, if you will, uh, he told me to have a good weekend and, and be a good boy. <laughs> it felt like I was getting patted on the head, you know, and I didn't take anything on because the guy is a, he's a great guy and uh, I know he didn't mean anything by it and that stuff doesn't bother me, but you're absolutely right. That is the perception that when yeah. you start a business that young, that's absolutely what everybody um, is going to think. And you just you work you find ways to work that to your advantage. You know, I, I used to tell people, I'd go into meetings and, and a lot of people say, "Don't do this. You should never do this." I put my cell phone 
right on right on the table and I and I make a point to talk about that cell phone and to say what's your common complaint you know with the millennial generation it's, it's these these cell phones right here these cell phones annoy you but I have it on me at all times Saturday Sunday Monday Wednesday night wherever on vacation you know I was answering we my wife and I took a trip to uh, Paris and uh, last year the year and a half ago and I'm answering work emails over there so that's part of my generation you know I we don't turn it off and I think that's for our growing and evolving um, industry that's a real positive as as people in decision-making um, positions transition from baby boomers to to Millennials or you know some area in between uh, that that's going to make a, a huge difference. Gen Xers, I think that's what those are called in yep, between. That would be me. Yep. <laughs> Don't forget us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to FreshBooks for their support as a platform sponsor at Entree Architect. And I have a very, very special announcement here, a very special offer from FreshBooks to Entree Architect community. I will be hosting two free webinars with Tim Lee of FreshBooks. Tim's going to take us live in these webinars into FreshBooks. He'll show us how this easy to use accounting software will, will help us small firm owners get organized and save time and get paid faster. Getting paid faster is my favorite part. And he will show us how to prepare invoices, track time and expenses, provide estimating, and how to prepare all those financial reports that we need at the end of each month. And the best part, Tim and I are going to be available live to answer any questions at the end of the session. So if you have any questions about whether FreshBooks is the right platform for you, this is your opportunity to learn what you need to know. We have scheduled two separate webinars, Tuesday, May 31st at noon Eastern time and Thursday, June 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Both will pre present the same information. So you just need to pick one, pick the one that's most convenient for you. Uh, just Go to entrearchitect.com slash freshbookswebinar and you can pick one of those dates, one of those times, and we'll see you there. So entrearchitect.com slash freshbookswebinar. So, so um, you, you started Sixmo and you, you're growing really quickly and, uh, and things are going well. And you had this idea to create this new platform called Paven. Can you talk about what this this platform is and what it does? Yeah. So the whole idea behind it, you know, kind of give you the the why why I did it. Um, I like predictable things. The engineer in me likes um, predictable uh, outcomes. And part of being a small business owner that I would never have even ventured to to look into when I started. Um, an AE firm was predictable backlog, predictable revenue, um, just understanding what cash flow is and, and how that affects my day to day, how it affects how I sleep at night. You know, when it was just Pat and I, it was, you know, okay, we don't have the money this month. We're just not going to pay each other. Then you have that first employee and it's like, wow, okay, now this person is depending on me. And then you meet her husband and you're like, this guy is depending on me. And then you add another and another and another. And it just, it kind of builds to this, you know, how am I going to feed this this lion that just constantly payroll is there, um, as you know, and it's you know it's seventy five percent of our of uh, the the money going out of the bank uh, each month for us. So you want to I want to build as much predictable revenue as I can, and that's really where Paven kind of said, you know, I would love to just be able to log online, pick jobs that I'm good at in markets that I'm good at, you know commercial, uh, retail, you know, I would love to, to ramp up the heavy industrial market, but my, my young face, I think is playing against me there. Um, but you know, it would be nice to have that capability and that's really where Paven came from. And then it evolved into this, um, this apples to apples bidding platform that just wasn't available beforehand, you know, um, hiding identities so that you're, you know, you don't know who the company is. You just know their credentials. You know their resume. Don't judge them on what they look like, uh, what age they might be, what uh, 
what friends they might have, you know, look at their portfolio. These are the past projects they've done. These are the clarifications that they've put in their proposal. And you can, you know, if you've been in this business at all and you're ask, you're reading the questions, you you can read a, a, an RFI and say, this person just doesn't get it. Or this person absolutely understands. What a great question, you know. And you can, those actually play a part into your selection process. So, um, you know, Paven in a nutshell is, for, for the consulting industry, predictable and reliable back backlog. And for the owner, it's a way to find the most qualified firm, to um, not be restrained by your geographic location, um, and pick the things that are most important to you. Schedule, proximity, job site, um, size of firm, limitations of liability insurance. I mean, we have a pretty in-depth profile creation, and you're able to rank and weight based on all of those criteria so that you get, you know, the most qualified firm. Not necessarily the best priced, you know, unless that's your number one criteria, which being in business for four years now, I'm telling you that's that's not it. I've lost several bids being 20 to 30% under people, being 10% under people, 5%. It's, you know, they want to see a lot more than just that. So walk me through a typical process on the on the architect engineer side and how it works. So if somebody logs into paven.com, P-A-E-V-E-N, I've been getting that a lot, um, you, you'll be prompted to immediately, right now, sign up and join the wait list. Uh, when a site goes live, you will then be asked to create a profile. That profile will have your company background, your business development contact, your credentials, what languages you speak, uh, what percent in market you are, and anybody who runs a business knows this because you have to fill that out to get your liability insurance. Um, and you you kind of say, oh, I'm 10% commercial, I'm 10% industrial, I'm you know 30% warehousing, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and then you move on to licensure. So in, in order to finish your profile as a consultant, um, you got to prove that you're that you're licensed, and then we go through an auditing process on our end to confirm that the people are who they say they are. Um, and then at the end, you will um, you'll go through a terms and conditions that basically there's an ethical conduct policy in there. I mean, it's really geared more to be a a tool than it is a a glitz and glamour or bells and whistles type software. Um, after that, after you've been created and um, put into the system. You, you have the ability to search for RFPs. You can filter based on your discipline, your geographic location, where you are licensed in. Um, you can filter based on market. Um, you can, you know, the owners have more search capabilities, I guess, than, than the consultants um, do because really that's all you, all you need. But um, that's kind of the, the process to find a project, if you will. Uh, once you find it, you are allowed uh, to view what's called a um, a detailed RFP screen. That RFP screen is going to allow you to view any RFIs and download the RFP um, so that you can view it and determine whether or not you would like to place a bid. Now, having said that, if the owner restricts that RFP with a confidentiality agreement, you cannot view it you literally have to sign and accept the confidentiality agreement as they have put it in there um, so that there's a control of documentation and the owner themselves then get a list of here's who's touched this and they've signed and accepted all the terms and conditions that I've placed on viewing these documents. Um, after you've accepted that, you, like I said, you can uh, review and bid. Um, you can ask RFIs up until a certain date that the owner um, will dictate. And then um, when you'll get clarifications from the owner, just like you would anything else, it's just a centralized place for it. And it goes on the detailed RFP screen, all of the RFIs. This way, the owner's not getting inundated with the same question. You know, we get that a lot. You know, some of our questions won't be answered um, when you've got multiple people bidding because they'll say, you know, somebody else already asked this question, see this page, so on and so forth. Um, after that's all completed... Uh, it's time to bid. You'll put your your bid in there. You know your your cost, uh, your schedule, 
I think there's an hourly rate in there if they if the owner so selects to review based on that. Um, and then you 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 hit submit. Um, you're not legally binded or obligated to this. There's no uh, we did not want to have that control because um, so many things happen in the AE industry and in the construction industry where projects may die or whatever. Um, so it's basically this is what I'm going to do this job for. The owner, as soon as the RFP deadline has passed, um, the owner will get a notification that your your bids are in. You know, click here to view. Um, all of the bidders, so say there's 20 bidders, this is where architects and engineers will love this. You will immediately be notified based on um, the preliminary selection criteria that the owner has put into the system. So if they ranked schedule first, proximity to job site second, cost third, um, limitations of liability insurance or representative projects, you know, in that order, and then they gave a rank of, you know, 60, 20, 10, 5, 5, or something like that, you would be weighted, your bid would be weighted in accordance with their selection criteria. And then you would be given an email calculating up saying, you know, out of 20 bidders, you finished fifth out of 20 in schedule. You finished eighth out of uh, 20 in proximity job site. You finished first in cost. You finished, you know, and the list goes on. And then we will calculate based on their weight and their selection criteria what your percentage um, is to win this job, which is something you know I want to know. That's the predictable revenue part. You know, if I if I look at that and I get a you know it says I got a 17% chance of winning that job, I'm marking it off. You know, I'm not putting that high in my backlog. Um, I'm going to then move on to the next one, you know. But if I got an 85 or 75% chance, odds are, you know, I like my chances in there when people are comparing me apples to apples. Um, after that, the owner has two weeks to make a decision. Uh, at that point, they can ask for an extension, you know, if they want to. Um, everybody will be notified of that extension. Um, if they want to award the bid, they can they can do that through the system, and we have what's called a pass the baton email, where we introduce you know once the award bid happens on the owner side, um, introducing the consultant to the owner. That was the first time they'll get a formal introduction, um, and then that's that's kind of where the consultant would would take the rest of it offline. You know that's. That's an architect or an engineer moving completely through the site. The owner or RFP lister is um, a little different. You know, obviously you can put the RFP on there, but you have um, the ability to um, a invite people you already work with to bid on, so that it's not just going to you know on the open market and you don't know what you're getting. Um, you can invite people to bid on it that you already work with every day anyway, and just use this to evaluate them. To ensure you're getting the best schedule, the best price, the closest person in this proximity, um, that sort of thing, uh, and then you, you, again you have the waiting, the waiting factor that I, I mentioned earlier. Very, very interesting. So, so um, what was your inspiration for putting all this effort and time and money into putting this platform together? It really came when we started to grow. We had about three employees and that titanium mill I talked about earlier that was coming in and it just hadn't launched yet you know and we were waiting that was going to tie up a lot of our resources being a, a smaller firm and it, we were up now we were up to five then and you know I just you know, how much do I sell how much do I not sell what do I chase what do I not chase you know how aggressive do I want to be um, everybody every business goes through this you know in a consulting industry that is, you know, where your prices are based on what you think you can do the job for and then where you think your competitors are going to be, what do you think the job is worth. You know, you're weighing all these things as you're pricing proposals. And and sometimes if you got a good backlog, you make the decision, well, if I'm going to get it, you know, I'm going to get a good price for it. And, and you know, we'll, we'll find a way to figure it out. Um, other, you know, if you're very aggressive and you don't have a lot of backlog, you tend to go on the the leaner side. You know, we'll do it at cost, or we'll do it for you know five percent, or whatever the case may be. 
So all of these decisions happen on the small business owner side and the you know the big businesses for that matter. But you know we were in a situation where you know I, I just want to pursue things you know passively because I, I'm a structural engineer and that's that is what I want to do. I want to do structural engineering. I don't want to have to go out knock on people's doors. Um, I, I enjoy doing happy hours or you know meet and greets, but you know I don't I don't like selling people something and that's. Um, I don't know that anybody likes being sold something for that matter. So and that's really where we, we've kind of came up with this this platform. That was the inspiration for it. it I, the reason I asked you to be on the show is because I, I there are many architects and many engineers that are out there who listen to this show who have these ideas, who have this, this, this inspiration to create a platform online or to create a, a physical product, and, and they don't know where to start. So when you, when you came up with this idea – I mean, how did you get to where it is now? Right now, it's a, it's a site that's it's not fully launched, but it's in testing mode. It's going to be launched very soon. Um, it's a beautiful site, uh, paven.com, P-A-E-V-E-N.com. I definitely recommend everybody going on and, and checking it out. Um, how did you get there? How did you – I mean, you're not a programmer, right? No. Or, and you no. already admitted you're not a designer. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> so, right. so how did you put together such a beautiful site and that does all of those things that you wanted to do? So when we first started out, I mean, I just wrote down, you know, when I, I was running, um, and I use Google Keep. There's a plug for them. As I'm running, I, as I come up with ideas, I just say them, and then it kind of records it, and then you can go back to it. And, and when I came up with the idea, I had, you know, it should do this, it should do this, it should not do this. And, um, and I recommend highly, if you are married and thinking about starting your own business, you get a uh, sign off from your significant other. Uh, I, I don't think that I would have good advice. That. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that I would have been uh, afforded the opportunity to chase this dream if Sixmo wasn't already successful, you know, because this is in the when it when we talk about starting a business and what you need for startup funds, it's completely different. Uh, starting an AE firm much easier to bootstrap than it is um, building a business like Paven. But you know, from start to finish, wrote down everything in a Word document um, and sent it. I had a few friends just from my network of people that I knew, you know, oh, you're a computer programmer, you know, what do you think about this idea? You know, how much would this cost me? Who who would you recommend? You know, I went through it, um, you know, starting out from a, what I would call a good old boy network type environment. And then that grew to evaluating People, marketing firms, you know, all online and, and reading reviews and doing the whole analytical engineering type approach, you know. But, you know, we ended up finding uh, a firm here in Cleveland um, that just, they spoke my language. I mean, they, we use Scrum in-house as our project management um, uh, delivery method for, for architecture and engineering projects, which is completely different than probably 99.9% .9 of the other AE firms out there, and that came from uh, the computer um, coding background, you know, building applications and, and software. And so I was speaking their language, they were speaking mine, and, and they knew what I wanted, they knew what it would look like. I mean, they're responsible for um, the design, the interior, uh, the guts, the simplicity, and I, I stress it is, it is meant to be simple. It is so hard to design something that is simple and clean rather than just giving everybody everything they want and yeah. cluttering it and you know just you don't know how to use it because it's so beautiful but you know it's just uh, that was really difficult and they did a great job and, and then the team um, that we have here at Sixmo that's that's uh, working on you know uh, different pieces and parts of it because um, you know, I don't know how to use Adobe at all uh, we have great Photoshop and Illustrator and Dreamweaver and audition uh, people here that just you know they wear a lot of hats and they have they're very talented and so you had the idea you documented that idea in a narrative essentially right mm -hmm. yep. and, and then you found a, a team to put it together so you you found a team that's local said here's what i want they they came back with some probably some uh some graphics visually first or yeah so what they, they call them wireframes and they basically will say here's what it could look like um and then they they put together once you sign off you know they'll put together a scope of work you know very similar to what we we do 
and you know you could do that lump sum or you could do it time and materials um, but yeah essentially that's exactly the way it went down and then from there we built out you break everything down into a a task that is you know it could be a 15 minute task it could be a 25 minute task they're very very detailed and, and the the way they they have like a service ticketing system that will you know once you test it you know then they'll put it in balls in your court and then you'll uh, review it you'll say oh, I don't like this you'll put it back in their court and you just it's kind of this iterative process rather than you know the traditional project moving in a in a waterfall type method this is it's very cyclical it goes back and forth back and forth and at the end of the day you know you have something that looks that looks great but but overall yeah I mean we found we were fortunate enough to find a company here to do it um, and it was and it's one company doing both design and development Yes. Yep. Interesting. It, it looks beautiful. I can't wait to uh, to see how it works. Yeah, we're excited to get. Uh, we have how to videos uh, coming out. What we've been finding, we're just doing passive marketing right now. You know, on social media, just throwing a lot of stuff out there for people and getting our name out there. What we don't want, you know, when we do market people, I hate being the first time they see you. You know, I don't like, you know, just coming out of the blue. But if somebody says, "Oh yeah, I've." I've seen your that logo before. I've I've heard of that. You know, I, I want that to be what happens when we actually go show them something, yeah. uh, because then we have something to show them rather than you know, hey, come join us, uh, sign up for this now, and uh, you know, we got nothing to give you because it's not not ready. Right. Well, that's that's how I found you. You know, I saw I saw um, saw you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, I saw that you followed me. I started following back. I you know we started retweeting stuff and kind of just recognizing existence and then uh and then alex called and said uh, let's talk about this and i yeah. liked it so much i wanted to sh- bring it on the podcast and share it with the rest of you i'm surprised you know as a as an engineer as a 31 year old engineer I, you know i didn't have twitter before you know before paven and then you know we were looking at our different traction channels of how we were going to you know get the word out and you know, like I said, we're doing passive right now, so LinkedIn is huge for us. Uh, if you're not following us on LinkedIn, please do that. Um, but I was surprised at how Twitter people are so nice. I, I, I don't understand it. It's like you could say anything. Everybody's like, yeah, I, I like that. I, I agree with that. So it's a great way to meet people informally and not have the, you know, LinkedIn is more, um, I don't want to use the word stuffy, but I'm going to. Uh, it's It's more conservative in its approach to um, reaching out to people than, than what LinkedIn is, or excuse me, than what Twitter is. It's been very positive for us. I mean, we've made a ton of connections through there that I would have never thought possible, but for no other platform than Twitter. Yeah, there definitely is a, uh, each, each social platform has its own use and its own uh, uh, demographic. And certainly the the uh, the family that we have on Twitter, the architecture and engineering family that that has connected on Twitter, uh, is powerful. They they are very nice people, and and a lot of them have become my friends over the years. And and when we go to conventions, like we just came back from AIA convention in uh, Philadelphia, we all meet up and we hang out, and mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a powerful tool, and and uh, it's a powerful tool for business as well. So uh, let's uh, what what's when is your expectation on launch? Well, we are in um, we're in testing mode right now. We're going through finding things that we want to either take out, um, to, like I said, make make the transition to somebody using something new, just as completely basic as possible. Uh, because I don't like throwing things into a, people's face. It's no different than hiring a greenhorn and you know saying, "Oh, let's let's throw you on this." structural software program that you've never used before. You know, I want people to go and be comfortable with it, be easy to navigate. So we're trying to do our best right now. We're actually pulling things out um, or turning those features off so that way we can um, make the transition easier. I would say and estimate probably be done with testing mid-June. I don't want to rush it. Um, So sometime this summer. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I would tell you this: one of the for for anybody else out there that's looking to start an AE firm, and if they're listening to you, they're already got a a good leg up. Take as much advice from people 
as, as you can get. I mean, take it all with a grain of salt, but take as much advice f- from people. Don't be afraid to ask for help because people are so willing to give you advice um, when you're when you're doing something that they've already conquered or achieved, um, and it's it's usually very very good. And the technology world is is the exact same. So I think that's universal across. You know, when we started this Paven. Uh, people would reach out from other technology businesses that are operating within our same space, um, but not competitors. You know, they're just they have the same target demographic, you know, that we're we're looking to to find, and you know, giving us advice. You know, they've been in it for a year or five or ten, and they're saying, you know, this is what I wish I would have done more of. You know, uh, you know, when we first launched, you know. And so they give you that advice, and you you take it in. And as a 27-year-old starting an AE firm, if it weren't for the mentors that I had before that, you know, telling me all of these things, um, you know, there's no way I would be in the position I am today. So I, I highly recommend taking, you know, getting as much and asking for as much advice as you possibly can. That's very very good advice. Let's let's end it with that. The um, your the internet website. For Paven is Paven.com. It's P-A-E-V-E-N.com. The LinkedIn uh, page that you had mentioned is LinkedIn.com slash company slash Paven. That'll take you to the company page for Paven on LinkedIn. On Twitter, it's uh, Jared's Twitter handle is Paven Jared, uh, J-A-R-E-D, and uh, Paven Buzz also on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of the general Twitter handle for everybody. So I would uh, say follow both of them. And if you, you want to reach out to Jared to ask questions, you just talked about you know how important it is to ask questions and sort of connect with others. Reach out on, on LinkedIn or, or Twitter and, and, uh, and ask him how he did it or why he did it or how, whether you should do it. I think uh, that's how I got to where I am. That's clearly what Jared is saying. He has been his success story, so do that. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paven. Uh, it's there. So, Jared, thank you very much for your service to the professions of both architecture and engineering. And thank you for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 125. Remember, these are the final days. Don't miss out. Enrollment closes on Tuesday, May 31st, Eastern Time at 11.59. Right at midnight Tuesday, go all the way through through Tuesday on the 31st, 11.59 p.m. It's over, and I'm not sure when it's going to open again. We're going to focus on making life inside the Academy the best it can be, so we are all in on focusing on the Academy once we close enrollment. That's why we don't keep it open There's lots of management that needs to be done when we have these open enrollment periods. So we shut it down so we can focus on making the experience in Entree Architect Academy the best it can possibly be and keep it growing and make it better and better and better. So if you are interested, get in before Tuesday, May 31st, entrearchitect.com slash academy. My name is Mark Arla Page and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to do what Jared just did with us share what you know. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris 
owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.